Happy Independence Day. Uh, I know a lot of you guys are getting together for Fourth of July gatherings either today or tomorrow, going to see fireworks. We've got some good weather coming, so it's a good holiday weekend. Mark, come on down. <laughs> you guys say hi to Mark. Um, Mark was baptized into Christ uh, not this past week, the week before, but we needed to get him up here because he had to work last weekend. Yeah. So I uh, just wanted to introduce him. If you haven't met him, this is Mark. Mark, you can go ahead and sit down. Um, we want to, you know, it's cool for me to get up here because just about every week we've got somebody uh, that, that has given their life to Christ. And I love being a part of a church that is full of baby believers. Uh, and it's something that we take seriously here. When I say baby believers, I mean we are spiritual babies whenever we decide to give our lives to Christ. And just like a baby needs, a uh, physical baby needs food and water, they need people to take care of them, spiritual babies need special attention and special care. And so we want to make sure we're being the good family uh, that we need to be to one another, especially to those among us uh, that, are, that are newer. And so uh, we want to make sure we pay attention to them, okay? Uh, we are in a series called Which Way Out? And we're actually closing that up here today. Uh, we're going to be starting a new one next week. Uh, but what we've been talking about are how that we get into these situations in life sometimes that can feel hopeless. We get into situations that can feel uh, like, like we're trapped. But what the Bible says is that regardless of how we may feel, God is present and there is always, always, always a way out that he has provided. I'm going to ask Mike uh, to read our theme verse that we're in for this series, which comes out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Uh, we got a problem with his mic there, guys. Do we have a mic that works? If we don't, I'll just read it. No temptation has overtaken you except what is, what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He would not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you attempt it, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Okay. So there's our theme verse for this. Um, you've got a set of notes in your bulletin. If you want to pull those out, it's going to have most of the passages we're going to look at on there. Um, today, we're going to close this series by talking about uh, a spiritual assassin. And that assassin that shows up in my life and can show up in your life is, is ingratitude. And you might not think of ingratitude as such a killer, but let me tell you something. Ingratitude has always been a struggle for God's people. If you study the Bible, way back to the beginning of the story, uh, we're actually going to look at the story of the Israelites uh, today. Something that shows up in our lives, too, is a people that are typically pretty comfortable here in the United States, um, ingratitude, self-centeredness, consumerism, you know, where church is just about uh, coming together and, hey, I've got a list of criteria that I need you to meet to be my church and you need to serve me. And that's really the wrong attitude, right? Uh, that is uh, not a posture of service, not a posture of humility. It's a posture of me, 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 right? That's easy to fall into. 
Now, in the story of Israel, guys, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Joseph. We talked about what a neat guy Joseph was. We talked about the struggles that Joseph went through. We talked about how God used Joseph despite a really bad situation to make some amazing things happen. We talked about the way out that God provided for Joseph and how he was faithful in that. Uh, Right after the story of Joseph, there's a period in the Bible where there's a stretch of about 400 years between the end of Joseph's life and then when you get into the book of Exodus, uh, what picks up there in the narrative. Now, uh, what happened after the Israelites settled in Egypt is they lived there for 400 years and they became numerous. Uh, We talked last week about uh, the, Joseph's dad, Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. You've heard of the 12 tribes of Israel, where those were the 12 sons that he had. And so the 12 tribes, the 12 sons, then became the 12 tribes. By the time you get down to Moses, there's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of people. All those promises that God had made to Abraham about making him into a mighty nation, uh, about his descendants being more numerous than the sand on the seashore, we started to see that kind of come to fruition in the story of Joseph and then kicking over to Moses. Now, by the time you get to Moses' day, things had not gone well for the Israelites. They had gotten numerous in the land of Egypt. Uh, The Egyptians were actually afraid of them. And so what the Egyptians did is they made these Israelite people slaves. They subjected them to really, really hard labor, to really difficult conditions where they were making them like form bricks and put uh, things together. Sometimes they'd get killed. The Egyptians didn't really care. Uh, But they were the rulers of Egypt forgot about Joseph. They forgot about the good relationship they had with this people. And all they were looking out is seeing all these all these people everywhere that could take over their country. Not only that, they were really strong people because they worked so hard. And so you've got these numerous bunch of Israelites in this land of Egypt where the Egyptians are scared of them. And so the Egyptians, to keep them in line, are subjecting them to really, really harsh conditions. And the Israelites start to cry out to God. Where is God? Where is he? Siri, I don't want to talk to you right now. Uh, She was looking up Exodus for me. Um, Where is God? Where is he? Uh, you know, and there was, this, there was this crying out. Well, God responds to their cries, and he calls a guy named Moses out of a burning bush to come and lead these people. And if you study the story of Exodus, guys, you know that, that God sent 10 plagues on the Egyptians. Uh, he eventually led the people out of Egypt physically in a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud by day, uh, delivered them through the Red Sea, When the Egyptian army pursued them, killed the Egyptians, took care of them in the wilderness, gave them water, gave them quail, gave them manna, uh, gave them all the provisions they needed. But the people had this attitude of ungratefulness that ultimately culminated in their idolatry. Whenever uh, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get uh, the law from God. There was the physical presence of God in the story of Exodus, smoke and fire up on top of this mountain. If you can just imagine you're part of this procession of people and you see God's presence on top of the mountain and you think, you know, Moses, we've been waiting on Moses to come back down from that mountain for a while. He's been gone a long time. I don't think he's coming back. Let's just make some new gods, right? And they make a golden calf 
And Aaron, the high priest, gets up and says, here are your gods that led you out of Egypt. Guys, they are at the foot of the mountain where they can see the presence of God. And they, they engage in idolatry right there. And, and a whole bunch of them got killed. And then, guys, over time, they were supposed to go into this promised land. They end up not making it for 40 years. God makes them wander around in the desert for 40 years because of their unfaithfulness. And there's all these stories that come out of this. But guys, the problem in this story was the hearts of the Israelites. They were ungrateful. They were taking God for granted. They were taking everything that God had done for them for granted. And so I'm going to read a passage in 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, I tell you all that just to give you a little bit of context. Now, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's going to use the story of the Israelites that this church was familiar with uh, as an allegory to kind of uh, apply to their lives. And I also want to take us, I want us to take it and apply it to our lives as well. But here's what Paul says to them in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11. This is on your notes uh, that are in your bulletin, okay? Paul writes, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. That's talking about the golden calf episode. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did <clears throat> and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. Okay. So this is what he gives to this New Testament church. He's like, these Israelites, the story that we read about in the Torah, in Exodus, in Numbers, when we read that stuff, we need to understand that, that, that those old stories are still relevant to us. And these people, they didn't have hearts that were right before God, and all of this junk happened to them as a result of where their hearts were. And so you better make sure your heart doesn't go to the same place. Now, he was talking to the church in Corinth. Corinth was a jacked up church. Corinth was a jacked up church because it was full of jacked up people. Guess what? The Crossings is a jacked up church. You want to know why? Because you're here. And we're a jacked up group of people, right? Now, I like to celebrate that. I don't want to go to a church that's full of people that got it all together because I ain't going to fit in, right? If you feel like you need to go somewhere, welcome to the crossings. We're a jacked up group. Listen, it's okay to be jacked up as long as you're honest about it. It's not okay to be jacked up and to pretend like you're not. You want to know what we call that? That's called hypocrisy. 
The word hypocrite just means actor, right? It's easy to get there. One of the ways uh, that we can fall into ungratefulness is, is to think a lot more highly of ourselves than we ought to, right? So we need to be humble. Listen, I become ungrateful when, number one, I forget where I come from. Again, we've got some notes in your bulletin if you want to pull those out. Uh, we're going to have some spaces for you to write some things down. This is part of what the Israelites' problem was. I become ungrateful when, number one, I forget where I come from. Guys, when you pick up an Exodus and you start reading the book of Exodus to see where the Israelites came from, the story starts out talking about one of the pharaohs being afraid of the Israelites. And so his solution because he was afraid of the Israelites, is to have every male child aged uh, three or younger killed. Every Israelite male child younger, three or younger killed. Can you imagine living in a place where people just kill children like that? Can you imagine if somebody came and said, you know what, I'm scared of those people from St. Louis, Let's just kill all their kids, three and younger. Can you imagine the grief, the collective grief? I mean, we've, we have tragedies in our country. Guys, anytime uh, there's, there's one of these big mass casualty events, that's really, really sad. We have never experienced anything like children being killed in an entire city. Guys, I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it's easy to read over stuff like that in the Bible and not get the emotional weight that these people had to have carried. Okay, that's how the story starts out with the Israelites in Egypt. Then they had all this mistreatment over the years. Guys, it, uh, there's a lot of bad stuff that happens. But can you imagine experiencing something like that and then later on in life saying it was better for us in Egypt? We should just go back there. Can you imagine that? Okay. That's where some of these people got in their hearts. It says uh, in Exodus 1, just to give you an idea, this is what they were leaving, right, in the story. So the Egyptians put slave drivers over the people of Israel. The slave drivers treated them badly, made them work hard. But the worse the slave drivers treated the Israelites, the more Israelites there were. So the Egyptians became afraid of them. They made them work hard. They didn't show them any pity. The people suffered because of their hard labor. The slave drivers forced them to work with bricks and mud, and they made them do all kinds of work in the fields. The Egyptians didn't show them any pity at all. Guys, it's amazing that later the Israelites would forget how bad things were for them. They would forget. Okay? You say, that could never happen to me? Yes, it could. Yes, it could. Some of us have come out of some really, really bad situations Okay, at the crossings. We've got a lot of abuse. I personally was sexually molested when I was a little kid. I started using drugs when I was in my teens. Uh, I remained a druggie for a long time. I look back at my life, and I had a lot of... Real, real deep hurts. But man, there have been times in my life where I have forgotten about those hurts. And guys, whenever you get into uh, a situation like that, 
you need to understand it's easy to do. Number two, I forget what has been done for me. So I forget where I come from. Number two, I forget what has been done for me. In the story of the Israelites, guys, God is physically, visibly, and physically leading the people out of Egypt. In Exodus 13, when Pharaoh let the people go, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. God is physically present in the lives of these people. And then God miraculously delivers them at the Red Sea. In Exodus 14, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and their left. Guys, God physically, visibly showed up in the lives of these people. Now, some of you follow God, you've never seen a visible manifestation of God before, right? I haven't. These people actually saw a visible, physical manifestation of the presence of God with them more than once and on a regular basis. Can you imagine seeing like a physical presence of God like leading us? Wouldn't that make things easier at our planning meetings? Just like God's going that way. Let's just follow him, right? Um, that's what they had. But they took that for granted. Thirdly, you can become ungrateful when, number three, I forget what has been given to me. I forget what has been given to me. 1 Corinthians 10, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock. Okay. In the story of Exodus, God physically gave them food in the form of quail, in the form of manna, uh, he gave them uh, water to drink. They were in desert land. Guys, there was no water around. God made water come out of a rock to give all of the people water. He sustained them physically. Well, along the way, they forgot God could do that because there are times when their attitudes got really, really bad as they were traveling through the desert. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? It was better for us in Egypt. We should just go back. God had given them all these things and they forgot that. Fourthly, we can become ungrateful when number four, I forget who is always with me. I forget who is always with me. First Corinthians 10, they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Uh, God was always present, right? He was there the entire time. But the people forgot God, and they disobeyed him because they forgot God, right? They forgot him. They forgot he was present. I already mentioned they worshiped a golden calf while God was present on the mountain right next to them. They could see it with their eyes, and they still did that, right? Guys, ingratitude is one of those things that will affect all areas of your life. If you forget the good things God has given you, if you forget the God does for you, if you forget the blessings that God gives you, like, honestly, there's a whole lot of things we can be thankful for. A whole lot of things we can be thankful for that other people in the world don't have, but we just kind of take for granted. And as we get spoiled... As we get self-centered, 
ingratitude will creep into our lives and it will show up in all kinds of ways in our lives. One of the ways that uh, you can gauge very quickly is, honestly, if you go to a church, worship. Worship. And I, I understand worship is presented in Scripture, like in Romans 12, one of those things we do with our whole lives. I'm talking specifically about singing, though. If you go into a church and the worship is such that uh, people are passionate about what God has done for them, it will show up. When I was in the college ministry down in Florida, uh, down in Tampa, Florida, when I first became a Christian, we had a college ministry much like we have here that was full of just baby believers. Like we didn't know anything. We were, we were all brand new. We were just learning, but we knew we were saved. And when you walked into one of our assemblies, when we were getting together and singing or something, you could tell there was something different about that group of people because of the passion that was behind the worship. We had, we had kids that couldn't sing very well that were singing real loud. And, and you know, you laugh. I, uh, it didn't sound great all the time, but I'll tell you what. When I went into one of those meetings and we were all worshiping together, regardless of whether it sounded great or not, that passion ministered to me in that room. It ministered to me to the point where I looked forward to getting together up on campus on Tuesdays because I knew we were going to be passionately worshiping God together. And there were people that came into those assemblies that didn't know God, but they knew that there was something different about that group of people that was worshiping God because of the passion. It was contagious and it didn't sound great. Sometimes people use that excuse, I can't sing. So I'm just going to sit there and be quiet and listen to everybody else. Let me tell you something. Your passion or your lack of passion is going to affect the people around you. And to be honest with you guys, on Sunday mornings here, we could use a boost. We could use a boost. And people coming in from out there that are looking for God could use a boost. And our worship team gets up here and they passionately lead. And a lot of times we're pretty stoic. We don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. Coming in. You know, we're pretty stoic sometimes. Guys, you need to get, get passionate about God. What, what the word glory means. Guys, in the, in the original language, glory, when you give God glory, what you're, glory means you're revealing something that's hidden. You're giving, a, you're giving a, 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 a visual of something that's hidden. You're giving a manifestation of something that's hidden. When we say glorify God, we're saying take what's hidden in your heart about God and manifest it in praise. Put it out there. Let people hear it. Be passionate. It ministers to people. If you are not passionately worshiping God, you need to check your heart. Because the only reason you wouldn't do that is if you're ungrateful or you're not meditating on all the blessings that God gives you. Guys, it is real easy to, to take things for granted, right? When you're singing these words to God, it's, it's a prayer to God that you are putting out in the form of a song. It is praise to the Lord. It is gratitude that you're showing to God. Your, your passion, guys, honestly, your, your gratitude, your level of gratitude that you feel in your heart is going to come out in your passion or your lack of passion. 
<coughs> Some of you just haven't made the connection to worship yet. Guys, worship is a powerful tool to minister to others if the worshipers are passionate. But if you're stoic, or if like some of the guys, you just kind of move your mouth, that's not going to minister to anyone. And honestly, where's your heart at if you're just kind of moving your mouth whenever we worship? Guys, worship from the heart, passionately. Let your gratitude feel that. Uh, ingratitude will show up in, in obedience as well. Like if you struggle with obedience, if you just struggle with being faithful to God, uh, ingratitude will show up in that. Uh, you need to understand that your obedience, guys, part of the motive for obedience, this is not on your notes, I'm not sure why it's on the screen. Uh, your motive for obedience is uh, honestly your gratitude. It's your gratitude. Um, it shows up in giving, guys, your generosity. Like, we are in the middle of what's going to be a building campaign here, by the way. Uh, we're going to have a meeting at the end of the month about it. We'll tell you more about it here at the end. But, guys, our giving, and I'm talking about financially. Like, your giving financially is an act of gratitude. You're giving back what God has given you. But if you struggle with being gracious... Or if you struggle with ingratitude, uh, you're, you're not going to really be motivated. But if you really are thankful for what God has given you, if you give him the credit, it becomes easy, right? There's not an area of life that this stuff doesn't show up. And what ingratitude leads to is, first of all, God being unpleased. There's no way to please God with ingratitude. 1 Corinthians 10.5, God was not pleased with most of them. Uh, the people had forgotten everything God had done for them, and God wasn't pleased about it, right? Uh, it also leads to my spiritual death. Secondly, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, and in one day, 23,000 of them died. They were killed by snakes. They were uh, killed by the destroying angel. Um, they physically died. The Israelites, if you read the story of the Israelites, there was a whole generation of them that did not get to go into the promised land. They died in the wilderness, as, as punishment from God because of their bad attitudes toward God. God had done all of this stuff to, to deliver them. He had done all of this. He had gone out of his way. He had made a special uh, trip, like, just to take care of this people, and then this people were ungrateful toward him. And so a lot of them died as a result. So to escape ingratitude, if you struggle with ingratitude, if you struggle with this attitude... I want to give you some things that you can do to, to, to remedy that. First of all, to escape ingratitude, number one, I need to remember what life was like before God. Remember what life was like before God. Remember where you came from. It says in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay, sexually immoral, idolaters... Uh, homosexual practitioners, 
uh, drunkards, slanderers, swindlers. Hey, it looks like our church. Yeah, I'm not joking. This is a good, uh, like, this descriptor here of the church in Corinth, this is like the crossings, isn't it? We have people that have struggled with all this stuff, 100% of it. We're not surprised by anything. Like, the crossings is one of those places you can go and get help. It doesn't matter what your problem has been or what it is, right? It's one of those places because that's where broken people can go and get help. When I talk uh, to our crowd here, I know I'm talking to a bunch of people who this is a good descriptor of. You guys had better not forget this is what you were. Okay? When this, when this says that's what you were, well, that's what you were. Who delivered you from that? Okay, wasn't, we didn't just get there on our own, right? God has worked in our lives. If we've given our life to him, God has worked in us. He's done a work in us to help us go from where we were to where we are. We better not forget the gap that exists there and how we got there. Okay, if your life is much better now, it's not because you got there on your own, right? It's because God did a work in your life. You need to remember what life was like before. That's why he says that's what you were. Okay, that's, that's important. Guys, I'll tell you, it's easy for me to forget what I was. And there were times in my life when I was very, very low. When I was younger, I've been a Christian for a while now. It's easy for me, the longer you walk with Christ, it's, it, you get further and further away from that old you. It's easy to forget that old you. It's easy to forget those old situations. Guys, I was in horrible situations that I forget about now, like just day to day. I don't want to think about the time I was suicidal, you know? I don't want to think about the time that I was so addicted to dope that I thought I could never quit and just couldn't see a future. I don't want to think about the time I felt like I had nowhere to go, that I had no relationships, that my family... Uh, you know, I felt like had given up on me. I don't think they actually had. I felt like they had because of, of the way I had lived, right? I, don't, I forget about that. Who wants to go through life and just think about the worst times of your life? I don't, right? And so I push that stuff down, and it's easy for me to forget where I was and where God led me, like now, Right? And I'm still messed up, like I'm still a mess. But my life now is so much different than what it was years ago. You guys would not have recognized me years ago. God has done a work in my life. And I think it's important for us to remember that, to remember where we've come from. I think it's important for us to teach our kids, like, this is what my life of sin led me into. These are the hurts that I had. Man, that kind of stuff is important. That wisdom is important to pass along. But it's easy, easy, easy to forget, right? Secondly, to escape ingratitude, I need to remember the things God has done for and given to me. I need to remember the things that God has done for and given to me. It says in Psalms 103, verse 2, Praise the Lord, my soul, Never forget all the good that he has done. Because if you read, uh, if you go read the story of the Israelites, there's this call over and over to remember, remember, remember. There's this instruction to pass this on to your kids. Talk, talk about it every day. When you're on the road, when you're at home, talk about this stuff. Don't ever let your kids remember, remember, remember what God has done for them. 
That is so, so important. But it's important for us as well. Because when we get forgetful, we will start to take things for granted. And as we start to take things for granted, we will become ungrateful, guys. We will stop. Like, one of the, the thing that motivates us to, to be faithful and to live right is God's kindness to us. It's his love for us. When we become ungrateful, we have forgotten God's kindness and God's love toward us. And our ability to love, my ability to love, your ability to love, really stems from how much God has loved you. But if you have forgotten how much God loves you, or if you're not actively thinking about it, you're not going to be the person that God has called you to be because you're not going to love the way God has called you to love. Right? That's ingratitude at work. Um, we take communion here every, every Sunday um, on this idea of remembering in Luke 22. This isn't on your notes, but we'll put it on the screen for you. In Luke 22, uh, starting in 18, or 19 rather, it says, uh, He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is Jesus talking. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, he said this uh, at a meal with his friends. They were having the Passover meal together. Jesus took, uh, took some time to give them bread. This is my body. Give them wine. Uh, this is my blood. He said, Take this. I want you to remember uh, what I'm going to do for you. They didn't know what he was about to do for them. He was literally going to go die on a cross. His body was literally going to be broken. His blood was literally going to be spilled. Jesus supernaturally knew ahead of time that this was going to occur. The disciples were ignorant of it, right? So when he institutes the Lord's Supper, Jesus is giving them something to remember what he's going to do by it. He hadn't even done it yet, right? So this is a little miracle in that. This wouldn't have made sense to the disciples, though. Whenever Jesus is around the table and they actually institute this, this wouldn't have made sense to them at that time. Later, after the crucifixion, after the death, burial, and resurrection, then this would have made sense. And what communion is meant to do, guys, when I say ingratitude, and gratitude is a big deal, do you want to know what the point of communion is? The whole point of it, which was Jesus' idea... The whole point of the church gathering, whenever the church started 2,000 years ago, the whole point of them gathering was to take communion together. The whole point of communion is to help us remember what God has done for us so that we won't be ungrateful, spoiled brats. Because when you become an ungrateful, religious, spoiled brat, you will not be the person that God has created you to be. You will become consumeristic. You will become self-centered. You will become, it's all about me. It's give me what I want. You're not doing it fast enough. Do it faster. Uh, me, 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 I, I, I. Gimme, gimme, gimme. And that's not what Jesus was like, right? It's not what he was like. Jesus wasn't a needy religious guy. Jesus was a giver, man. Jesus was somebody, you know, think about the imagery 
I, I went down to Louisiana a couple of weeks ago. Swamp, right? Anybody ever go swimming in a swamp? Why? It's gross. There might be gators. There might be snakes. There might be all kinds of things. There's also disease. Like, it stinks down there in some places because of the methane that's coming up. Swamp gas stinks. Like, that's not like, if I want to go take a bath, I'm not going to go take a bath in a swamp. Why? Because you get dirtier, right? It's that stillness. It's, it, you know, like, it just, it's just there. It's not, it's not giving life. It's just sort of stuff goes in there and just sort of sits and, and turns into a cesspool, right? That's a swamp, right? Contrast a swamp with a babbling brook that's full of clean water. It's just flowing. It's going from place to place. It's giving life everywhere it goes. There's, there's, there's birds singing, the sun's shining, the fish are swimming, right? And then you've got the swamp. Two different scenarios, two different environments. One is just sort of taking everything in. The other's really, it's flowing, it's giving. Those are two different kinds of hearts, man. Like an ungrateful heart is kind of like a swamp. It's just all about just, I'm going to drag everything in here and just hold it to myself, right? Just swampy. As opposed to a grateful heart that's thinking about others, that's, that's giving, that's about transfer in life, it's about giving energy. Guys, that's what, that's what Jesus was like. When Jesus got up in the morning, he wasn't just thinking about himself. What can I do today to make me the most comfortable? When Jesus got up, man, he was thinking about others. He was a grateful servant of God the Father, and his gratitude, guys, it overflowed to other areas of his life. He was a giver, not just a taker. That's the difference between gratitude and ingratitude. One heart is a giver and is thinking of others and is praising and blessing, and the other's just kind of a taker and a holder, right? Two different hearts. What communion is meant to be is a weekly reminder of how much God has given us because God doesn't want our hearts to be like swamps. God doesn't want our lives to be like swamps. God wants us to be life givers. God knows the way to make my people reflect my heart is to just overflow blessings on them where they just, they just overflow onto others, right? But when we forget what God has done, it ain't going to happen. That's the point of communion. Guys, again, talking about gratitude and ingratitude, this is a big deal in the Bible. This is not a small deal. This is a big deal. The point of communion is to help you be grateful. That's how serious it is to God. Let's pray. Father, as we take this weekly reminder together, you tell us in, our word, in your word to examine ourselves. 
before we take communion. You tell us to look in and make sure we're doing it in a way that honors you. God, I pray as we think about your body that was broken and your blood that was spilled, that we are impacted in our hearts by how much you give us. God, you give us the forgiveness of sin. You give us life. You give us all of the blessings that we could ask for. Help us to be more like you. Help us to be reminded of your body that was broken and your blood that was spilled so that we can be more like you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thirdly, I need to remember that God is always with me. I remember that God is always with me. If I want to escape ingratitude. Uh, it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, this is Paul writing now, and he's talking about me and you. I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, it's crazy, guys, to think about the Israelites traveling through the wilderness if you read the story, study it, guys, he was physically manifesting himself in front of them. Like I said earlier, pillar of cloud during the day, pillar of fire at night. There were other manifestations of God whenever they went to Sinai. Uh, the, the presence of God descended on top of the mountain. They said it was like uh, black clouds with fire and lightning coming out of it. That's who Moses went up to speak to, right? physical, visible manifestations of God, and they forgot that God was with them. If they were able to have physical, visible manifestations of God present with them and they were able to forget, if I don't have that in my life, am I able to forget more easily than they? You bet. You bet. It is easy to go through life forgetting that God is present with you the whole time. But we've got to remember, guys, God is with us no matter what. He's with us no matter what. That should be something that we take comfort in, right? That should be something that we find solace in. Um, and then lastly, guys, we'll close on this one. Number four, repeat it often. Repeat it often. You want to know why we praise God? It's because we need to be reminded that God is present, that God cares, and that, that God, is, God is listening, guys. He's involved in our lives. It says in Psalm 9, I will thank you, Lord, with all my heart. I will talk about all your wonderful acts. I will celebrate and rejoice in you. I will sing praises to your name, Most High. Did you know that worship and praise is a command in the Bible? It's commanded. Why do you think God commands that we worship him? Why do you think he commands that we repeat these, these things about him whenever we're praising him? God, you're good. God, you're in charge. God, you, you're more powerful than, than anything else. God, you, you can take care of us when nobody else can. Why do you think he wants us to say that stuff? Because he doesn't want us to forget because he knows how easy it is for humans to forget the reason that he asks us to praise him. 
He is not this egomaniacal, oh, I need my praise today. I'm not getting enough praise. I don't feel good about myself. Guys, God is secure. He doesn't wonder about who he is. Guys, God does not, he's not bothered if he's not liked by someone to the point that it affects his demeanor or his, uh, his character, right? He's steady. He's unchanging. God was God a million years ago, 100,000 years ago. He's still the same God today, right? He doesn't change like the wind. He doesn't adjust his, uh, who he is or his character based on the culture or based on the crowd. He's steady. He wants us to remember that he is the foundation for a good life. He is the source of everything good. He doesn't need our praise. He commands us to praise him. Guys, who needs, who needs to be reminded of who God is? Is it him? It's me. The reason he commands us to praise him isn't because he needs it. It's because we need to remember who he is. That's the point of praise. That's the point of worship. It's a blessing to us. Because God knows if we'll just get our heads right about who he is and what he can do and how he's going to take care of us, he knows if we'll just get our heads and our hearts right about him, everything else is going to fall into place where we can look at life and anything life throws at us, we're going to be okay. Because God is the foundation and God is steady. But guys, when I forget who God is, when I forget what God has done, when I take it for granted, when I become a swamp, right, in my heart where it's just about me and it's just everything comes to me and it terminates on me because it's all about me, you're not going to make it. But praising God and really, not just saying the words, guys, but really believing that God is the source of all good. Really believing that God is more powerful than anything else. Really believing that God sees and knows and he's going to make it okay. That's going to affect everything about my life. Because I'm finding my security and, and everything in him. I'm letting God be God. Because when we let God be God, really, life is pretty good. But when we start trying to be God... That's when we get ourselves into trouble. And so your praise this morning, guys, let him be him. And let's just, let's be our, let's be who we need to be, right? Which it ain't him, okay? We're going to close out this morning. You've got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. That's okay. I didn't need that iPad. Uh, you've got a cardstock piece of paper in your bulletin. Uh, it's got a space there for you to fill out your information. Uh, go ahead and, and pull that out and start filling it out. If there's anything we can do to help you, we offer a lot of things here at the Crossings. Uh, we've got uh, classes for people that are struggling with all kinds of different things. We've got a Healing as a Choice class that's starting in August. Uh, healing as a Choice is a great uh, opportunity for you to get help with some life issues. We'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks. We've got a Wounded Heart class for men. Uh, that starting in August, uh, that is for men who were uh, sexually abused as children. That's a class that I have gotten a lot of help from. 
Uh, and it's basically just taking the Bible and applying it to your life. Guys, we're a church of small groups. Uh, we've got a really active small group ministry here. Uh, if you're new to the crossings or just checking things out, that's the best thing we have going here at the crossings is our small group ministry. Uh, that's really where you can get engaged in relationships and make some really good friends. And friends that are going to build you up, that are like, hey, we're trying to do this, follow Jesus, and uh, we want to help one another do that. That's really where you can get help with a lot of stuff. Uh, we've got a lot of other stuff coming up this, uh, this summer. You might see there's a, there's a flyer in there for the campus ministry workshop. How many of you guys going to the campus ministry workshop next week? Okay, quite a few of you. Uh, if you don't know what that is, the CMU Workshop is an event that we put on uh, annually in the summertime, and we have campus ministries and, and speakers from all over that come in uh, to teach some really good lessons about some tough topics sometimes. If you're looking to grow spiritually, that'd be a good thing for you to go to. You can get the information off that flyer, and uh, there's a lot of other things going on too. I'm not going to go over everything that we offer I do want to encourage you guys, if you're visiting here, if you're wondering what your next step should be, I want to encourage you to make a friend. Just make a friend. That could be as simple as going out to lunch with somebody today. Just, just go spend some time with people. If you can't go today, maybe later this week. Go to the movies. Go out and get coffee. Get to know somebody. The church is all about relationships. Guys, God does some amazing things as you grow in your relationship with him and you start making friends with people that are also trying to pursue him passionately. You're going to learn that God often works through people and relationships to help you grow. And not only that, he will use you to help somebody else grow. It's how God works. feels good to be used and it feels good uh, just to see people that are becoming more healthy. Uh, and so that's what we try to do here at the crossings. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing a song, and that's going to give you an opportunity to fill that card out. And then we will sing one more song after that and pass some baskets, and then you can drop your card in that basket. Uh, I do want to encourage you to fill that out. We take them seriously. If you've got a prayer need or anything else we can help you with, please let us know. Um, I'm going to pray for us and we will close. God, I want to thank you for bringing us together today on this Independence Day weekend. Uh, God, as we close out, I pray that we will respond to you faithfully uh, as we should. God, that we will be bold if we need to ask for help with something uh, or if we need to connect with someone. I just pray you'll help us uh, be brave and do that. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.